0: This message, Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify in the mighty name of Jesus. <clears throat> God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharp than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as you brought us to this place, Lord, we're just going to believe that you have something you want to speak directly to each one of one, every single one of our hearts, God. So, would you please just let that happen? Father, those that are watching online, I pray that they would stay to the end, Lord, that they would uh, hear what you have for them. Father, let this be a time of transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Matthew 15, we're going to be in verses 32 through 39. It says, Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then his disciples said to him, Where could we get get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left, now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children, and he sent away the multitude and got in the boat and came to the region of Magdala. How many of you have heard uh, uh, this story before? Right? Most of us have, right? Jesus is walking with all of his compatriots, and they end up out in the wilderness. There's nothing to eat. There's Somebody's got a little bit of bread. Somebody's got a little bit of fish. And Jesus says, let's pray over these things, and let's see what God can do. So then God provides a miracle, and all these people that were hungry are now filled. I've titled today's message, When You're in a Spiritual Wilderness. And the reason why I titled that is that in this story, what stuck out to me and what really the theme of today's sermon is, that wilderness experience. Because what's happening in this story is that Jesus brings these people into the wilderness And they don't have anything and they can't provide for themselves. But it's in that wilderness that Jesus does this great miracle to be able to provide for them. And and here's why it's important is that we all go through those wilderness experiences. We all do. And that, that Bible word for wilderness means solitude. It means desolate. It means that you're isolated. It means that things are scarce out there in the wilderness. Now, for the wilderness, there's a literal geography of the wilderness. It's somewhere where you are, but there's a psychology of the wilderness and what you think about. But there's also a theology of the of the wilderness and that, uh, how God moves and what God does in those wilderness experiences. Now, when I talk about wilderness, sometimes for you or Eye. it's an event or it's a, it's a season or an ongoing illness or a season of spiritual emptiness or, or any, and, and all of us go through any one of those at certain times in our lives, don't we? Would you testify to that this morning? But I want to tell you that God can do something in there. God can do great things in the wilderness because intense things happen in the wilderness. There's need for food and water in the wilderness. There's danger out there and there's isolation. and But there's also divine deliverance and there's divine renewal and encounters with God and powerful prayers and supplications. There's miracles that happen in the wilderness. Yeah. And if you read your Bible, you'll see that there's many things that God does in the wilderness of many people throughout the Bible. You are not exceptional because you go through a wilderness experience. You are normal because you go through a wilderness experience. And so today we see Jesus in the wilderness, and he's surrounded by the multitude, and and they're hungry, and there's nothing there, and he performs another great miracle of the loaves and fishes. Now, if you've read your Bible, you know that you're like, hold on, some of you are like 4,000, I thought it was 5,000. It was, and it is, but there's two separate events. One of them is a miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, one of them is a miracle of of, of feeding the 4,000. You would say, well, why did there need to be two different things? Because Jesus needs to do different things in different peoples lives yeah, and that he's trying to paint a picture the the book of matthew is written to a jewish audience and and so as matthew writes He's chronicling what Jesus did. But what Jesus did was to a Jewish audience anyway. Because he was trying to tell them something. And so the feeding of the 5,000 was in a region that was mostly Jewish. So he had to do a miracle for the Jewish people. Now he's in a region that's mostly Gentile, non-Jewish people. And he's got to do something in that region as well. Because he wants to say to the nation of Israel, I'm your Savior. I'm your Deliverer. I'm your King. But he also wants to say to the Gentiles that aren't Jewish, I am your Savior. I am your Deliverer. I am your King. And so he has to do those things in different regions. Now, in the, in the 5,000, in the region with was with the Jewish people, there's you know 5,000. And the five is reminiscent of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the law. There's And there he does 12 baskets of, of the leftovers. And so the 12 baskets are 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples. He's telling something to that Jewish audience. And so here he does the 4,000. And that 4,000, there's seven baskets collected. It's not 12. Seven's the number of completion in the Bible. Seven is the numbers of creation. And so the, the imagery and the numerology of these two different events, they say something and they mean something and Jesus is telling them something throughout these two separate events about who He is and what He came to do and how they should view him. There's symbolism. And Jesus is declaring his messiahship, his lordship. And he's letting these Gentiles know in the one that we're going through today, salvation is for you as well. You're going to be taken care of. I am your savior. I am your God. I'm going to take care of you. But it's in this wilderness that all of this happens. And so, so today, here, here's what we're going to talk about, is we're going to talk about that wilderness experience. And so if you're here today and you feel like you're in a wilderness, man, this is going to be, this is going to be a college course in dealing with the wilderness. And, and, and I know that there's people that are here this morning that are in the wilderness. I know it. Now, some of you, you'd be like, Psh, I ain't in no wilderness. And, and honestly, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I don't feel like I'm in a wilderness. A lot of times people think, like, well, Pastor must be in a wilderness. He's preaching on the That's just where we're at, man. I'm I'm rocking like I'm good to go But I need a message like this because I know that there's a wilderness coming I know it like that's just the way that it is. And so uh, it's recorded. It's going to be online So if you're not in that today, you're just going to file this away And also remember every message even if it's not for you, it's for you to preach to somebody else Because you're going to know people that are in a wilderness. So let's get into it The first thing I want to say is this is there is compassion in the wilderness There's compassion in the wilderness. Verse 32, it says, Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Now, in this story, all this multitude, it's funny, Bible words are so funny. So how was church? There was a multitude there. (laughs) There. multitude just means a big group of people and so they follow Jesus into the wilderness and as they followed them they're tired and they're hungry and Jesus has compassion on them now as I say that and as you read that and you hear that we just kind of go over it really fast like you're just plowing through the scriptures and you're like oh yeah they followed Jesus and they were tired and they were they walked for three days out into the middle of nowhere to follow Jesus without any food or water these dudes are tired. You know, we we go on a shopping trip at Safeway, we come back like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> so tired. It was a lot it was a lot of work leaning on that cart. Like ugh, <laughs> that's how people are. And so it's important to understand like this is like if you climbed up a mountain around here and you got to the top without no no food or water, not just one day, like three days, you would be sweaty and dirty. And Jesus looks at these people and says, oh, my heart goes out to them. My my heart is, is, is feeling what they're feeling. And that's Really what compassion is, is it's looking at the situation that somebody else is in and you actually have an emotion about it. You're not dismissive about it. It's like if you, somebody goes through something that you know, you have compassion. There's distance a lot of times you don't have as much compassion. You have an emotion about it. Now, why is this important? It's important because it speaks to the nature and character of Jesus. Uh, oftentimes when you hear someone talk about Jesus or talk about God, you get this idea of he's some lofty deity that lives in the sky that does not care about you, does not care about what you're going through, doesn't care about what's going on in your life. But that's completely the opposite of what the Bible teaches and what we see in this story is that when you are going through something, and you're going through that wilderness experience, the God of the Bible is right there having compassion on you, watching you go through that wilderness experience. He's not a distant Savior that doesn't sympathize with people that are in distress. Matthew chapter 9, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. Luke 19, he saw the city and he wept over it. Mark 8, 2, I have compassion on the multitude. Luke 7, 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. We we serve a Savior that has emotions, that cares about what's going on in our lives. He looks at our, at our situations and it's not as that He just leaves us there by ourselves. He sees us and knows what we're going through and has compassion on us while we're in the wilderness. Now, this isn't a new idea or concept. This isn't just something that Jesus brings to the scene. This is the nature and character of Yahweh, the God of creation, the one that created you and I and created the, the heavens and the earth. He has always been a God of compassion. Micah 7.19, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. God, rich in mercy, cares about his people about you he cares about what's going on with you he cares about what like those little details of your life that you see like man does anybody even care that I'm going through this yes God cares that you're going through this when you have that pain whether it's emotional or physical you say man does anybody even know I'm going through this and and, and does anybody yes God cares and this is why it matters Be, because when you're in those wilderness experiences uh, the, the devil always comes in and torments you yes because you're isolated you're away from from normalcy you you feel alone and remember it's isolation it's desolate it's scarce it's rocky it's scary it's all those different things and so you're out there alone in the wilderness all by yourself and the devil goes god isn't real no one loves you you're gonna die out here that that's what happens in the wilderness but it's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus loves you and Jesus cares about you and he has compassion on you as you're going through those wilderness experiences. And some of you are saying, well, then why does he let me go through this? We're going to get through that today. But God hasn't lost compassion for you. He has not forgot about you. Now, sometimes we end up in a wilderness like these folks for no other reason than following Jesus. And, and sometimes that's that way. And if and if you've been following Jesus longer than a year, you'll, you'll know that there are wilderness experiences. There's times when you don't feel God's presence the same every day. And you don't see God's miracles the same every single day. But you're faithful. and you follow Jesus wherever he's going. And then you are there with him. You're like, well, I don't understand. I followed you here. And now it's not that exciting. It's desolate here and it's dirty and it's dusty and it's rocky and I feel isolated. why did I follow you to this place where now all of a sudden it feels like I'm more alone yeah. than I was before yeah. Sometimes you just follow Jesus and end up in the wilderness. Yeah. sometimes you sometimes you end up in a wilderness experience though because of your own decisions yeah. and then you blame God that you're in the wilderness. When it was us that made the bad decisions, it was us that did the wrong thing. And they are like, oh, I'm in a wilderness and I feel God's presence even though I left him. And I made bad decisions and I did bad things. And then I want to turn around and turn it into this big spiritual experience that was of my own doing. And it was never God in the first place. But this compassion in the wilderness is real. And sometimes you end up in this uh, wilderness for no other specific reason than God allowed you to be there. Yeah. God, God is just fine with you being in a wilderness. Yeah. Now, this wilderness is a pathway to redemption. It's a pathway to miracles. It's a it's a place that God does a miraculous thing. Now, I, I just want to make sure. Am I preaching to the right grou- group this morning? Yeah. Have any of you ever been in a wilderness yeah. before? Or yeah. well, you're just plowing through, man. And you feel like your praises don't make it farther than the ceiling and your prayers aren't being answered. And and, and let me make it clear, you're not doing anything wrong. People always feel like, well, if you're in the wilderness, there must be some unrepentant unrepentant sin in your life. And it's not that way. Sometimes you're being faithful. You're doing all the right things and you're living the right way. But you're just kind of like, I just feel kind of empty, man. I feel like things aren't going really well for me right now. It's not of anything that I'm doing. I'm just there. I just don't feel close to God though. There's things that aren't really moving in my life right now. I just I just feel kind of stuck. Now I've been a pastor now here for almost twenty years. I've been serving God for over thirty years, and I will tell you in those thirty years, man, I've had wilderness many times in the last 20 years of being your pastor I've had months where I feel like I don't feel God's presence I've had months where I feel like God hasn't been doing things but but it doesn't change who God is because I'm because I'm not feeling anything God had compassion on me during those seasons. God did things in my life in those seasons. It didn't change who he was just because for a season God kind of let me be. and be like, you know what? I'm going to teach something to you as you're walking through. I still love you and I still have compassion on you. I'm still going to take care of you. But there's something I need to do in you. And the only place I can do that is in the wilderness. Isaiah 40, 11, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. God leads with compassion in the wilderness. Amen. He's still doing something. He's still taking care of you. And I, and I want to speak directly to those of you that are here this morning that are in that wilderness experience where you're like, Pastor, this is for me. I'm in it right now. He has compassion on you. Yeah. Please hear the the word of the Lord this morning. He has compassion on you. He has not forgot about you at all. You are not alone. You are still there in the wilderness. Jesus is looking down from heaven on you and has compassion on you. And he's going to show up. He's going to do something in your wilderness experience. Something is going to break through. I don't know when and I don't know how but I know that he will because that's who he is. He's going to leave you there long enough not to break you but just to bless you. In Isaiah 42.3 he says a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. And what does that mean? That means that if the reed is a little bit busted he's not going to bust it all the way. That means that the fire's going out he's not going to let the fire go out all the way. He just, He's doing Something in you as you're waiting As you're growing in your patience And in your faith because there's something Greater that he wants for you but you Have to walk through that wilderness Experience The compassion of Jesus is right there with you before that miracle. Right there. But right as you're walking through that wilderness and he has that compassion, he's going to bring out the loaves and fishes. He's going to bless you. Like, Oh, God, you did it. I'm so excited. I'm sorry I didn't trust you as I was walking through this wilderness. Don't forget that. Don't forget the the compassion of Jesus. See, here's part of it is that, that you have to have endurance in the wilderness. It's not easy. It's not easy being in the wilderness. Verse 32, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Continued with me three days. Now, again, we we, we look at that and we read that. Your buzzer's going off underneath you, Sherry Hahn. Uh, the, uh, um, we, we read that so quickly and we think, well, why, why is it that this, don't go that way, go the other way the uh um <laughs> that is distractions that's the flow cuz then she's going to come back up that way and all you guys are going to look at her <laughs> what was i talking about 3 days 3 days we we read it and it goes like that right 3 days psh, just like that it's 3 days uh, uh, no food or water walking through the desert yeah. You guys take a walk around the block in 70 degree weather and you're like, oh, I need a Gatorade. Like, that's a long time to go without provision. And here's what I love about that, that three days is they must have so deeply wanted to be around Jesus. They're willing to endure whatever it took to go wherever he's going ask a lot of questions how long is this walk jesus what are we going to eat what what happens if we get there and there's no what are you going to do jesus i got stuff to do i got to be back for work on monday are we going up on a weekend when are we going to how how much is this going to cost me what do i have to do jesus they didn't care. They just wanted it. Well, I'm going to go wherever Jesus is because something's going to happen. Yeah. You heard about the stuff he did before. I don't, I don't want to miss out. I want, I want to endure. I want to see the whatever he's got. I'm going to be there. It's one of the reasons why I never want to miss church. Is every time you miss church is when God does big things. Yeah. Some Wednesday or Sunday, you're like oh, I'm kind of tired. And then he's like, oh, my gosh, it was fire. So and then you're just like, God, why did I miss? Because you didn't endure. Your pillow was too comfy. Like, oh, I'm going to go to the same mattress today. Go to that the bedside Baptist. You know what I mean? You couldn't endure. See, Deuteronomy 31 says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you, He will not leave you or forsake you. See, God went before them to prepare them for what he was going to do in them. God saw the miracle. He knew it was going to happen. But they had to endure. They had to go through those three days. Now, the Bible doesn't say it. And I always like to read the Bible for things that it doesn't say. And and it doesn't say this. And you can do whatever. But I know humans. I know humans. And I guarantee you that they didn't start with 4,000. That's what I think, and you're like, well, you're adding stuff to the Bible. I am. I admit it. But this is just what I think, because I just know people are weak and lazy. Yeah. I guarantee after the first day, somebody's like, dude, I ain't doing this no yeah. more. Yeah. Kidding me out here? I can still see where I live. I'm walking back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna go back. I'm not. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't wanna. I don't wanna go anymore took some endurance to get through that wilderness it wasn't it was immediate deliverance they had to go three days why 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 didn't jesus just feed them on the first day he knew they were i mean you'd be hungry after one day yeah. right after one day it could have been the miracle of the loaves and the fish all right one day's up guys i know you're hungry let's go but there was something he had to do in them yeah. he knew that this was going to be preached to churches around the world for thousands of years and so he said, You know what, man? I'm going to make this a good sermon. I'm going to give, I'm going to give old Pastor Matt a layup on that Sunday. Because yes. those people down in Auburn, Washington, are going to have to learn about endurance. Yes. So those poor saps thousands of years ago had to walk for three days just to prove a point to you that it takes endurance. Yes. God knows what he's doing, he knows what he's doing in the hearts of those people that are in the wilderness. I, I I don't I do know why, but I don't know why at the same time. Like, why does God do it that way, though? <laughs> you know, it's within His power to deliver you right away. Yeah. To me, it would be just as miraculous to have it happen right away. <laughs> just like, God, I, yes, right away. But for some reason, God just waits. It's like you know what, and it's not always three days. Sometimes three months or three years. It's it's much longer than that. Moses and the people of Israel had to wait 40 years to be delivered out of their wilderness. But they also had provision in the wilderness. They also got taken care of in the wilderness. They had visitations and miracles and flaming bushes and God spoke to them. But they were still there for 40 years. Now for you, the application today is, have you been in the wilderness for 15 minutes and you're giving up? Come on! Are you, are, you, are you forgetting what the Bible teaches about endurance and just getting a little frustrated? Man, I've been dealing with this for a week. Yeah. God doesn't do something, I'm done. been yeah. yeah. going through this for a year and it still hurts and God hasn't done. I'm done. Yeah. It takes endurance, man. Yeah. Yes. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says this. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Leave it there for I go back. For our light affliction. It's funny how the Bible just describes everything you go through as light affliction. Isn't that great? But no matter what, it's just light affliction. But what it is. It's just for a moment is working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Next slide, please. While we do not look at the things which are seen, the pain that we're in, but the things that, which are not seen, the deliverance, for the things which are seen, our pain, are temporary, but the things which are not seen, our deliverance, are going to be eternal. Yes. You you cannot lose heart while you're waiting. You you cannot give up on the blessing just because you've been enduring. Man, many times I see that the waiting and the enduring is the is the barrier to the blessing. And many times we give up. We're right on the other side of a blessing and we give up because we're just tired and we're lazy and, and we don't want to endure anymore. We want the easy route. We don't want the hard route. And so we give up and then the blessings come. Galatians says, let us not grow weary while doing good. In due season we shall reap. When? If we do not lose heart. And I get it, man. It's easy to lose heart. I I mean, I've told you guys this before. I think about quitting more than I think about winning. That doesn't make you uh, odd. It makes you normal. I think that if you never think about quitting, I'm like, huh? You must not be trying that hard. Quitting is a natural response to pain. Why? Because people, as humans, we want to experience pleasure and we want to avoid pain. And so if there's any sort of pain, we will do whatever it takes as quickly as possible to get away from that pain as quickly as we can. We don't want to endure. And so we want to get out of it. Three days in the wilderness without food feels like a lifetime, but we can't give up. We can't. The the Bible is filled with stories of endurance. Why? Because you should be encouraged to not be a person that quits, to not be a person that gives up. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friend, you have got to become a person of endurance that can last longer than a moment in your pain. You just have to. You say, well, why, why do I have to do that? Because more pain is coming. More pain is coming. And, and I will encourage you, man. You, you have shown some grit over these last couple of years. Can you believe that we've been doing this for... <laughs> we've been playing the COVID game now for two years. And, and, and if you're anything like me, there's just been... I just want to quit. Just done playing the game. I don't want it. But you know what's been so great is, as a church, we've walked through this together over the last two years. Man, this has been such a period of peace and unity within the church of life. We've endured together. We we haven't stopped serving God. We haven't. We've decided. No, we're going to put a stake in the ground. We're going to continue to serve Jesus. We're not going to give up. We're going to endure through these things. And I get it, man. Don't think for a moment that I don't know who I am and how I preach. I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. But here's Here's what I do know: is like a coach, if I don't beat you up in practice, you're going to get tore up in the game. I'd rather I'd rather practices be tough and games be easy. What I don't want to do is I don't want you up against some sort of an opponent, some sort of thing in your life, and then you look at me through your face mask like, "Why didn't you tell me we're playing the state champs this week?" I'm preparing you. If if we got through COVID, we can get through whatever's coming up next. We can learn to endure and say, you know what, man, I'm going to get through. I got through that. I can get through this. Because if you've read the end of the book, the the end is not going to be pretty. And so if you're building endurance now and stuff starts happening around you, like, man, I was made for this. I'm ready. I can endure. I can go without. I can take care of business. I'm tough. Things around us may not be going well for us, but We have to endure. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, and not only that, but we glory in tribulation. (laughs) Hey man, how you doing? Tribulation. Glory! It's awesome. Loving it. Why? Because I I know that glory produces uh, uh, perseverance. If I'm having to learn perseverance, it's going to create character in me. And that character is going to give me hope. So I'm good with it, man. Bring it on. Sign up for some endurance. Learn how to go through some stuff, man. Do hard stuff. You know, I was thinking about this as I was working on this message. And many of you know my son got married this week. And he's, uh, yeah, man. This trout sending me pictures during church. Every picture is him out to eat. Eating, eating vacation food, you know. And... Um, you know, he, usually I ask my kids if I can uh, use them as an example in a sermon. But, dude, he ain't here. He's a man now. He can handle it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe they're watching online. Probably not. Honeymoon, last thing you want to do is listen to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to say this with with a, a, as much humbleness as possible. And, and I really mean this. My, my son's a winner, man. He really is. He kills it. He does really good. But nothing has ever come easy to him. You, you guys see him on social media, and then you guys, you know, see him around the church and stuff. You're like, "Oh man, that Gabe's killing it." You know, I remember back when he was about 12 years old, and we sent him to. Uh, Bible camp, uh, Black Lake. And and at at Black Lake, they have a swimming area. And so when you're a kid and you're there and it's church camp, and and so if you're going to go into the swimming area, you have to pass the swimming test. That's just, right? And then you get the little wristband on your hand, and then you're like going into the chow hall like, I passed the swim test, right? So you don't want to be the kid that doesn't have the band, right? You don't want to stand out because whether they say it or not, everybody's looking to see who doesn't have the band, and so we go to pick him up, and we're like, hey, Gabe, how's was the weekend? Church camp and Gabe didn't go well together. He didn't have the best experience. But it was interesting. Someone came to us, and they said, hey, do you know what Gabe did this week? I'm like, what? I'm like, this dude took the swim test 14 times. <laughs> they're like, what? They're like, every time there was free time, he would go down to take the swim test, and he failed it 14 times. And so the whole, the whole entire time, all the other kids are playing, Gabe's out there floundering in this lake just to, so on the last day, he got the wristband so that he could, so that he could go and say, I passed the swim test. Now, he ended up being a, you know, a swimmer in high school and went to state and stuff. But that that was Gabe. Yeah. When, when Gabe went to go take the real estate test, he failed it three times before he passed. When Gabe went in to go uh, to Green River for running start, he failed that test twice before he went. In. I don't know why things have not come easy to our son, but they just have But that little trout, man, he endures. Yeah. Gosh, he does he does not quit. And I love that about Gabe, man. He is such a winner, man. He does swim upstream. And, 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 you know, it's fun to brag on your kid. You know, poke fun at him while he's out on vacation in sunny Orlando while we're dying in the rain up here. But it's a a spiritual principle. It really is. And, And parents, I'll tell you, you're doing your kids a disservice if you let them quit. You're doing them a disservice, man. You gotta learn to just not give up, man, no matter how hard it is. You just keep going. Because here's the other part of it. Jesus is in the wilderness. Yes. He's right there with you in that wilderness. Verse 33, then his disciples said to him, Where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And I don't know why. I always I, 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 I always read my Bible in this kind of like cinematic kind of way. Where the guys, Where will we ever get the food for this? Oh and then Jesus is like, ah, how many loaves you got? Right? We, we always hear the, how many loaves do you have? I'm sure Jesus was probably dismissive about it because he wasn't concerned. Yeah. They're concerned. Oh, ah, what are we going to do? How are we gonna? Come on. How many loaves you have? And they said seven and a few little fish. And when you're in the wilderness, the hardest part is that you feel alone. You feel like no one's there with you, but that is not the case. Jesus is there with you in the wilderness. Now, I want to show you this, and you probably know this because you're smarter than me, but I just figured it out this week. And so um, I want to show you this in Exodus chapter 15 because there's a parallel here that's very important to a Jewish audience and it's very important to an American audience as well. I want to read to you what happened with Moses when he took people into the wilderness because there's a parallel here. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and when they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, so they were bitter. So they go out, Moses brings them out into the wilderness, and there's no water to drink. It's bitter, right? Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore the name was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, Moses, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Moses brings them out. There's nothing to drink. He listens to God. God does a miracle, and now they're able to drink the water. It says there he made a statute and ordinance for them, that There and there he tested them said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Why is that so important? Here's why it's important. Jesus, to a Jewish and Gentile audience, I guarantee you these stories were commonplace. They had to have known these stories. Moses was the deliverer of Israel, and Moses led them into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, God provided for the people of Israel to verify who God was and who their deliverer was. And so now we see Jesus in the New Testament performing a similar type of situation as Moses, where Israel, and until this day, they still see Moses as the deliverer. They still see him as the leader. And Jesus is saying, you know what? As God led Moses, as God provided in the wilderness, God is leading me as as better than Moses, different than Moses. But now I am the leader of Israel. I'm the one that's going to lead you. And God is doing miracles for you in the wilderness in the same way that God did miracles for Moses in the wilderness so you can trust me and you can trust God that I am your Messiah. It's powerful. But it's not from the sky in this story. It's from the hands of Jesus. Proving to this Jewish audience who he was, to the Gentile audience, like Moses, that he's a deliverer and a provider, a leader of the nation of Israel. The Bible says in Psalm 105, the people asked and he brought quail and he satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Nehemiah 9 says, you gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them out of the rock for their thirst. And told them to go in and possess the land. See what Jesus is doing. Is what Moses saw and did. Which is God providing in the wilderness. That God was there. In the wilderness experience. And it's in that place. Where it seems like there's no way. That you can be taken care of. That manna from heaven falls from the sky. And God does good things. Now how many of you can testify. Now I've never seen bread fall from the sky. But what I have seen. Is a check show up at a time when I'm mostly needed how many of you have seen that provision where you've got a longer month than you've got money? And you're just praying to God and you're like, Man, I don't want to do a payday loan. I don't want to, I don't want to have to hawk something. I don't want but God, I'm just gonna ask you to prove yourself faithful. And I it could be fifty bucks or five hundred bucks, and then all of a sudden God's God sends some sparrow that comes up and goes, Hey man, God just told me to give this. And you're like, Oh my gosh, God, it's alive. <laughs> some rebate check you weren't expecting, a couple extra hours at work, a big tip like whatever, it just falls from the sky, yes. and then you just, it's just a way that, and, and it's always, why can't he send it on the 20th, yes. right, it's always like, right, the rent's due on the fourth, and you get the check on the third, like, that's just how it is, yes. why, because God wants you to know it was him, yes. God is always in the wilderness, you are not alone, do you believe that God can show up in your wilderness? Yes. Yeah. I want you to remember that. I want you to walk away from this saying, you know what? I know that God is in my wilderness because when you're in it, you don't believe that he is. And so you've got to remind yourself that he is. The Bible says in Hosea 13, 5, I knew you in the wilderness, the land of great doubt. And it's in those times of great doubt that you have to remind yourself and say, God, I know that you're with me here. God, I feel alone, but I know I'm not alone because I know that you are here with me. And I'm sure that these guys, after two days of following Jesus, were very hungry. But they did not stop following Jesus. They stayed with him. And they, 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 they waited for what Jesus was going to do in their midst. And so Jesus stays with you in your wilderness. Jesus didn't abandon these people. He didn't leave them alone. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, that you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. To test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And and it's and I get it, man. It's hard to believe that God is leading us through the wilderness because it seems so painful. It seems so otherworldly. Like, if God is love and God loves me and God's going to take care of me, why is he letting me go through such a painful experience? Why? Because he's doing something in you. And if you were 100% honest, you would admit... I grow the most when I'm in the wilderness. When things are going well, I don't seem to pray as much. I don't seem to read my Bible as much. I don't seem to go to the throne as much. But when I'm in that wilderness experience, oh, I can't get enough of him. The worship music plays and the Bible's open all the time. And I'm in the church house every time the doors are open because I just need him. Because you don't know what's going on and you don't know how it's going to happen. And I'm sure on first day or the second day, these these guys are probably unsure. Like, man, how are we gonna get fed out here, dude? I'm sure there was talking amongst them, okay, It's Day two, are you getting hungry? I'm getting hungry too, man. What do you think this? G-? I heard he did 5,000 just a couple weeks ago. Let's <laughs> let's hope the buffet will be open soon. <laughs> Deuteronomy 32, he found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled them. He instructed them and kept him as the apple of his eye. Isn't that beautiful imagery to believe that we're the apple of God's eye while we're going through that wilderness experience? I love Deuteronomy 131. It says, And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. in all the way that you went until you came to this place. And here's the best part of this sermon. And this is my final point. Is that Jesus filled them up in the wilderness. It wasn't some halfway, like, we'll just give you enough to get through. There was so much. They had to pick up leftovers afterwards. It wasn't like when you go to eat somewhere and there ain't enough, and you have to kind of like spark. No, everybody was so full. Oh, I'm so full. Pick up the leftovers, because that's how much Jesus fills people in the wilderness. That's our God. He's a provider. He doesn't forget about his people. He doesn't forget about what you're going through or what you need. And when he shows up, he fills up. That's just what he does. Yeah. Isaiah 43:19. behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Will he even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert? That's, that's what God does. And and this, this is why, like, even now, as we go through this season, if you're paying attention, the, the fear is turned into, you're no longer going to die of COVID. Now you're going to die of starvation. Like that, that's the new narrative, right? Inflation's up 10% and gas is up 100% and, you know, Ukraine's at a war and that's where all the wheat comes from. So you're going to die a slow death. Like, that's the only thing they know how to do, right? right. But, but, but here, it's all fear. Here, here's what I know, though, is that I've never seen the righteous forsaken Amen. nor begging bread. Yeah. I, I've been serving God for 30 years. I, I served him through the Clinton years and the Bush years and the Obama years and the Trump years and the Biden years. And interestingly enough, I ate every day. Right. Except on the days that I fasted. Yep. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, what I've seen throughout throughout history is that everything else around us could be going crazy. And all of a sudden the Christians are like, man, my business is up like 20% this year. Yeah. Everybody else runs like, oh, what am I going to do? Inflation's up. You're like, man, I don't know what it's going on, but, man, gas prices keep going up, and I still have more money left over at the end of the month. I don't know. People say, I don't know. I know exactly what it is. It it literally is the loaves and fishes. Many times me and Crystal, we'll we'll be giving money away or having to pay expenses, and at the end of the month, we're like, where did all this money come from? It's just the loaves and the fishes. Do not, and this is an encouragement to you, because as you're watching what everybody else is going through, do not believe that you're going to fall into that trap, Amen. because I just don't believe it. I, I, you're like, oh, my house values up. You got a house. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't worry. My stock market's down. It's fine. It'll go back up. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it, man. Right. You're going to be fine. We serve a God that fills up Amen. in the wilderness. Yes. Isaiah 25.6 And in this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. A feast of wines on the lees. Of fat things full of marrow. Of well refined wines on the lees. I love how the Bible always describes fullness as fatness. Amen. Butter and bacon. (laughs) I mean everybody else is all anti-fat. Bible pro-fat. They're into it. That, but that's the promise of God. The promise of God is that he will fill, that he will deliver, that he will feed. Psalm 63, 5 says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Yeah. Man, give me some of that fatness, Jesus. Yeah. Let me let me experience your goodness. I love that line from that worship song that says, he's never failed and he won't start now. Amen. Yeah. Why why do we always believe that somehow God's going to run out of blessings? That God's going to run out of provision? Oh, you've taken care of me forever, but there's got to be a moment where it stops. It's never going to stop. He is a God of provision. Now, I'm not going to say there isn't going to be waiting. I'm not going to say there's not going to be pains of hunger, because there always is. But he always shows up. He always brings it to completion. When? In due season. Psalm 25.3 says, Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. And so I want to leave you with this this morning. Do not give up. Wait on God in the wilderness, man. He is there with you. I promise you, your miracle is coming. It's why the Bible says, do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Do not lose heart. Psalm 81, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Right now, I want to pray a prayer of provision over your life in Jesus' name. God is going to provide for you. God is going to fill your belly and your bank accounts. God is going to make sure that you are taken care of, that you will not be without lack. God is going to protect you. The world around you may be dangerous, but you are going to be protected by the Lord of hosts because he is a God of protection God is going to give you peace in this season he's going to give you power in this season right now the Holy Spirit is giving you a spirit of perseverance that you've never experienced before you felt like giving up but you're not going to give up you're going to endure because the host of heaven is inside of you living through you and you're going to get through this season in Jesus name He will do it. Do not faint. Do not grow weary. Do not give up. Your deliverance is coming in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to become one. And if you've never made that decision to say, I want to follow Jesus, we want you to make that decision right now. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you are not. If you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to live how I've been living. I don't want to live in my sins. Jesus wants to forgive you right now. Walk with you and be your savior. Now, this isn't superstition. You don't ask for forgiveness and go back to your old life. This is a direction change. You've been walking away from Jesus. Now you're going to walk with Jesus. And if you've never made that decision before, and today you would like to do that for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Hand held high. Don't let this moment pass. Now, maybe you've made that decision before and you'd say, well, Pastor, I made that decision, but I haven't just been in the wilderness. I've been living there by my own choice and I'm done. I I know that I can go over to the green, green waters now with Jesus. If you want to rededicate your life today and and, and come back to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now and say that to me. If you'd like to walk forward here, someone will pray with you this morning. Let this be a moment, a moment that you remember that you put a line in the sand. Thank you so much for joining us today online we want to encourage you to like our facebook page follow us on social media if you're a regular watcher of faith and victory online would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you we want to be connected with you make sure you like and share this video and we'll see you next week at faith and victory church we love you have a great day